chapter number three. And uh, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter number three. Stand up. I won't have you read too much, and I'll let you sit down, but uh, get the choir in. And uh, appreciate that good singing. And uh, God sure has been good to us. Amen. All right. Blessed us with a wonderful choir, and uh, I appreciate everybody and uh, that that has a part in it. Genesis chapter number three, we're going to start our reading in verse number six. If you're there, I want you to say amen. All right, verse number six, uh, the Bible says, uh, and uh, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And God, we sure are thankful, Lord, for your goodness and kindness to us. Lord, we're thankful for the mercy, Lord, that you have shown each one of us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as we, uh, Lord, dig into this scripture, Lord, a familiar passage of scripture. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, to, uh, Lord, our need, and that you would open our eyes, Lord, to your provision. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the honor and glory for it, for it's in Christ's name we pray. And the church said... Amen. Uh, this You can have a seat. Thank you so much for standing with me. And uh, uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter number three this morning, looking at a very familiar passage of scripture for each of us. And uh, all the guys, somebody help me. Uh, the woman did it. Come on. Help, come on, help me, fellas. It was the woman's fault. Say it. Say it. All right, you bunch of sissies. Now I need all the ladies. Y'all say it. It was the man's fault according to the Bible. It was a man's fault. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, so anyhow, we all know this this ongoing uh, debate, all right? And, of course, we know from Scripture that it was Adam that placed all of mankind into sin. And, of course, we know that Adam showed us how we are to respond to sin. We're to blame it on somebody else, right? Adam said it was a woman's fault. And the woman said, well, it was a ser- serpent's fault. <laughs> and so anyhow, we began in the very beginning blaming somebody else for our sin. As the Bible goes on here in Genesis chapter number three in this account, we find out that God, we we know that God created man. We know that God placed him in a garden in a perfect environment in a perfect setting. God placed in that environment many trees and many fruit for him to eat from, but the Bible tells us that there was two particular trees in this garden. One was the tree of life. It was in the midst of the garden along with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One, they were to partake of freely and they would have life. The other, if they were to partake of, they would have death, all right? And so uh, anyhow, they were told not to partake of that tree. And just like any of us, when we're told we can't do something, somebody help me, 
we going to do it, all right, just to make sure everybody knows that we can, all right? And, uh, uh, and so, uh, anyhow, we're no different than our, our father, Adam, if you will. We're no different than him nor even that we would partake uh, just as they did in the garden. But the Bible goes on to tell us that when they did partake of this, I want you to notice in verse number 8, the Bible tells us that God still pursued them. Look in verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now I need somebody to help me. Does God know everything? Absolutely. So God is omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at all times. All right. And he is omniscient, which means that he knows all. He knows everything. So let me ask you this question. Did God know that Adam and Eve had both partaken of the fruit of this tree? Absolutely, but he still, is anybody getting this? Are you starting to feel it? Are you starting to get around to it? He still came after them. The Bible says he asked them, they hid themselves among the trees. And in verse number nine, the Bible says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? All right. For many of us, we've had a father that when we are in our troubles, he came to us with anger. He came to us with uh, uh, disappointment and with discouragement. He came to us as if that he would harm us, hurt us, or uh, punish us in some way. But I want you to understand that God came to them in love. We'll get into this a little bit later. But the Lord came to them and he asked a question, where art thou? Verse number 10. And he said... I heard, this is Adam speaking, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And the Bible says, and uh, he said, this is God speaking, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So we played the blame game with God, even though he knew that all he knew all things. I will point out this and what I believe, uh, and uh, to be Adam and Eve understanding their nakedness, is that if we look in the Bible and the Mount of Transfiguration, many of you remember that uh, God, uh, that when Christ came down from the Mount, his face glowed. How many of y'all remember that? Uh, the Bible also tells us when Moses was in the presence of God, when he came down from the mountain, his face, his countenance, glowed, all right? Is everybody with me? It was almost as if there was a light around them. And so Adam and Eve, in their condition prior to their sin, they were in a glorified body. 
without sin. Is everybody with me? You and I will experience that upon death, all right? You and I will experience that as long as we're here. We will not experience a glorified body, but there's coming a day where you and I will experience a glorified body. And I believe that what happened here in the garden was that once they sinned, that light, that glow was now gone, and they were very aware not only of uh, their sin, but they were aware that it had changed their condition, all right? And of course, we know the Bible tells us that they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves, all right, uh, because of their nakedness. But the Bible also tells us that with this came a curse, and we'll get into that in just a few moments, but this morning, I want to preach on the lessons from the garden, some lessons from the garden. Now, they are not new lessons, but I believe if you'll hang with me, you'll learn something today, all right? But they are lessons from the garden. So we start off, and the very first thing that we see, the very first lesson is there's a predicament of creation. And this is because of disobedience, all right? Disobedience. Can I say this? That it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have if you don't obey what you know. We've gone over this many times and uh, we call it application to Scripture. You can know all the Scripture in the world, but if you don't practice it, if you don't apply it, if you don't obey it, then what good does it do you to know every bit of it, all right? You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you will not obey it, then it does absolutely no good for you. And so we start off this morning with the predicament of creation. Man was given a commandment, and that command was not to touch of that tree and God told them in the day that they did that, things would change. Their relationship would change. And of course we know this because once this took place, God no longer walks in the cool of the day with man. God no longer walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening and the cool of the day. He no longer had that type of relationship with them. Can I say this? Our predicament, all right, mine and yours, is that you and I too have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say that with me. For all, say it with me, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, you and I have a predicament too. And that predicament has taken away our relationship to our Creator to an extent. Now, God still wants a relationship with us and He still comes after us and He still wants to be in a relationship with us. But sin, all right, breaks that fellowship or breaks that relationship. Many of you have experienced this in relationships, in earthly relationships, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your children, maybe with family members, maybe with friends, but you and them Something has come between y'all. One of you has transgressed the other, and it has become a a separation, a tool, a a uh, 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 something in your life that has separated you from fellowship from somebody. Can I get an amen right there? Many of you, all of us, have experienced to some degree the uh, separation of fellowship from somebody over a transgression, whether it was on their part, whether it was on our part, whether we did something wrong, whether they did 
did something wrong. All of a sudden, the fellowship was not the same as what it has been in the past. This is the predicament of creation. They were, he was disobedient. Adam and Eve was disobedient. And because of that, it brought a, 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 a break in fellowship. It brought a separation in the relationship. And then we see man, not only his disobedience, but we see his deceitfulness. The Bible says that we hide. Somebody help me. Adam hid from God. Do you know what I know about us? We try to hide from God too. We do the same thing that Adam did. We try to hide our sin. We try to act as if our sin ain't out there for the whole world to see. Can I get a witness right here? There's things that you do in private that you would never do out in public. There's things, I remember we was walking one time and I, they used to take us out. And I, don't, I, wasn't all, I wasn't saved, all right? I was a teenager. And I was one of them rough teenagers, all right? And we, they'd take us out. This was back in the day. They'd take us out camping, all right? This is what, this is what youth groups did back in the day. They went out in the woods and they camped and did things like that. We went to the river and camped. And anyhow, I can remember, we had this guy that worked with our youth group, and he had a leg. He, I don't know, he dragged it. Anyhow, he limped all the time. And uh, anyhow, his name was Ed. And uh, anyhow, he's a big old tall guy, and he limped real bad. And so what I'm getting at is when he was walking, you could hear him. I mean, you could just hear him struggling. And so anyhow, we was walking a dirt road, and I was walking with my pastor, all right, he would go out there with us on these camping trips, and uh, he was a Vietnam vet, and anyhow, he'd go out there with us on these camping trips, and I'm walking next to the pastor, and we're in the middle of the night now. It's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and we're walking through, we're, we're walking this road heading to the river, and Ed had done snuck off into the woods and was paralleling us. Is everybody all right? And uh, he was trying to be quiet about it, Brother Johnny, like he was going to scare somebody, but you could hear him going through them woods because he couldn't pick his feet up. And so anyhow, you could hear Ed going through them woods and it was a, he was making all kind of a ruckus and everything else. And Brother Mike, my pastor, he turns to me and he says, boy, that might be a bear. I said, I turned to him. I said, well, he jumps out. I'm cussing right here in this road. Is everybody all right? Everybody all right? He said, boy, you don't cuss. You can't cuss. And then he called Ed off because he didn't want me to cuss in front of the whole youth group, all right? Is everybody all right? But I wasn't saying. Here's the point. We do things, all right, as saved individuals. We hide what we do in private. I was lost. I didn't know any better. I just told him. I said, I'm telling you right now, I'll cuss everybody out if something jumps out of these woods, all right? He called off the dogs, amen? And because that a lost man does, a lost man don't care. But we as Christians, come on now, we as Christians, we have learned to hide things. As children of God, when we fall into sin, we're very deceitful about it. And instead of being deceitful, God wants you to be honest about it. And here in the Bible we see not only do we see the disobedience of man and we see the deceitfulness of man, but we see the deficiency of man. And so where do we see this? Well, this is in the coverings that Adam made. The Bible says that Adam and Eve made themselves fig leaves to cover themselves. I need somebody that knows what a fig leaf feels like to help me right here. That was a dumb decision. 
all right? Some of y'all don't even know what a fig leaf, the texture of a fig leaf. But I promise you, that's the last thing I'd be wanting as an apron. Can I get a witness right there, all right? But anyhow, the fig leaves were made. Some of y'all are getting it. Some of y'all are going to have to go Google what a fig leaf looks like and feels like, all right? But anyhow, this was the covering that man came up with. All right, is everybody with me? And we still cover ourselves today. All right, I ain't talking about clothes and that. Don't let your mind go there. We try to cover up for our deficiencies by working harder in the church, by attending in the church, by putting godly things out in our lives, hanging, putting godly shirts on, putting godly stuff on social media, hanging godly stuff all over our house. We try to make up for our deficiency. Man is deficient. Man has disobeyed. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we try to fix it ourselves. Why? Because men are fixers. We fix problems. Can I get a witness? I need a man to help me. That's what we do. We fix problems. And so we see a problem. You say, I have sin, preacher. I'll fix it. How am I going to fix it? Well, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to try to help other people out. I'm going to try to do this. And you go down a list of things that you're going to do to try to impress God, not realizing that there is nothing you can do. You are deficient. All right, and we know this from Scripture because God would not allow those fig leaves to remain. And I'll get to that here in a little bit, all right? So we see the predicament of creation. Then we see the pursuit. Number two, we see the pursuit of a creator. The pursuit of, let me not a creator, the creator. I wrote down the creator, not a creator, all right? The pursuit of the creator. I love this part. He sought them. He came after them. And, uh, man, so many times, I need somebody to help me. If you're like me, if you're not, then that's great. But, man, when somebody does me wrong... I don't want anything to do with them, right? That's just my nature. I'm sorry, forgive me, but that's just my nature. When somebody has done me wrong, then then uh, how many of you, how many of you have ever heard this term, when a bridge is burnt? Right? That bridge is burnt. There's no way. They, 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 They just, it's a very difficult task to build a bridge back, right? But yet in this, in God's economy, the bridge was burnt. But God built another bridge. God pursued after them. Even in their sin, God wanted. Is everybody with me this morning? God wanted to have a relationship with you. Somebody, this is for you, and you need to hear this. As bad as you've been, as much as ugly as you think your sin is, I want you to know this morning that God still wants to have a relationship with you. Say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Adam, Adam created, or Adam had, uh, 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 had the worst sin there could be. God gave him one commandment. Is everybody with me? One commandment. He had one commandment. Do not eat of this tree. He could have done anything else. God said, don't eat of this tree. One commandment. He failed on 100% of the commandments that were given to him. And you and I do not fail on 100% of the commandments that are given to us. Can I get a witness? And yet God still pursued him when he failed on 100% of the commandments that God gave him. God still pursued after him. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God still wants to have a relationship with you. 
I don't care what happened last night. I don't care what happened last week. I don't care what happened last year. I don't care what happened in your past. Listen to me. God still wants to have a relationship with you. And therefore, God pursues you just as he pursued them. He sought them and he loved them. I'm thankful that God didn't come into that garden with a sword drawn killing everybody because he said, hey, as soon as you eat from this tree, you're going to die, right? And I can imagine that one of the reasons that Adam hid was because of that. God's going to kill me the next time he sees me, but God shows how he treats sinners. He pursues them and he loves them. Y'all, God, man, somebody better help me this morning. He pursues them and then he loves them. God didn't come into that garden with a flame and, and come into that garden with a sword drawn, come into that garden just wiping everything out. God came into that garden to restore fellowship with Adam and Eve. He knew what they had done. He knew the transgression that they had made and yet he still came to restore the fellowship that was lost by their actions. See, it was the love that God had for you and I that caused him to build that bridge. He built that bridge on Mount Calvary. He built a bridge out of wood. I need somebody to help me. Out of two pieces of wood, he built a bridge that you and I could get back into fellowship with him. On that bridge, he placed his only begotten son so that you and I could get back in fellowship with him. Why? Because he loves you, right? But I want you to notice something. Not only he sought them and he loved them, listen, he confronted them. We don't like accountability. I need somebody to help me. We don't like accountability. Nobody, please help me, nobody likes accountability. Right? You'll come up with, I, hey, I'm a New Year's resolution. I am going to go to the gym every morning at 6 o'clock. Right? But you don't want no accountability. I need somebody to help me. Don't act like, I know what I'm talking about. I've done it. I ain't talking to you because I'm making fun of you. I'm telling you, I've done it. We don't want accountability on that. Dalton and them, uh, where's he gone? He done left out of here. Dalton and them has come up. Dalton and uh, y'all are going to lose. I'm telling y'all right now, all right? So Dalton has come up with this thing for the youth group, and they're, they're doing a weight loss challenge. Each one of them had to put $50 into it right? They're all putting $50 into it, and then they're trying to lose weight, and, uh, and at the end of it, whoever loses the most weight or whatever, and anyhow, Dalton has been with me the last couple of days, and they're texting him. They're like, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry, and all this other stuff, and I'm telling Dalton, just tell them to eat, <laughs> right? I'm sitting in there. I think one of y'all posted, I think it might have been you, Caitlin, posted something about the uh, coffee, about the Red Owl. Is there anything healthy that I can get at Red Owl? And me and him were sitting in the Red Owl parking lot. And I was like, take a picture of the Red Owl sign and say, I don't know. I'm just getting a, a milkshake while I'm here. And anyhow, Dalton's been messing with him. But anyhow, here's the thing. All of them now have accountability. Oh, I need somebody to help me. 
They have accountability. Each one of them, they got a group text going and everything else, and they got skin in the game. I need somebody. <laughs> and Dalton's going to beat y'all so bad, it's pathetic. I'm telling y'all, Dalton, Dalton did a carb overload and gained like 10 pounds in one day, went in there and weighed in the first day and lost eight of it on the overnight. Is everybody all right? Y'all are in trouble. <laughs> Boys done learned how to work the system. Y'all are in trouble. But it's accountability, and nobody wants accountability, but God confronted them. Where are you at? Where are you? I need somebody to hear me this morning. Let's just pretend, just for a moment, that the voice you're hearing in my voice is the Lord's. Where are you? Where are you? God's love comes in confrontation. Where are you? What condition are you in this morning? Are you lost? Are you living in sin? God's confronting you this morning. Hey, help me. In love, he's pursuing you because he wants a relationship with you. But it comes with confrontation because you have to stand before God and say, here I am. What have you done? I've transgressed that law. Is everybody all right? We see. I'm moving along. I know some of y'all are upset. All right. Is everybody okay? The predicament of creation, the pursuit of the creator. Lastly, the provision of a cure. This is where, I, this is where it got good for me. All right. So first, for there to be a cure, we got to see what was the curse or what was the punishment. What was the problem. I want you to take a look in verse number 16. Maybe this will help you, all right? The Bible says, and unto the woman. All right, so he's given, for those of you that may not know, in verse number 14, verse number 15, uh, he passes judgment on the serpent. He goes to verse number 16, and now he's dealing with Adam and Eve again, all right? And he starts off with, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. And thy conception. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be toward or be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. Verse number 17. <clears throat> and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of, my, of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And in sorrow. Shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Uh, I want you to look at this curse, starting in verse number 16. We see that this curse involves pain. 
for the woman is she was to travail in birth or in birthing, all right? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number uh, 2 and verse number 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So the curse was that through suffering, the woman would bring forth children. The cure was that Jesus, through suffering, would bring many sons unto glory. And so we see a contrast, if you will, the pain of the woman versus the pain of the Savior or the pain of the cure. We also see conflict in chapter and verse number 16. For in verse number 16, the Bible tells us that the woman shall desire, uh, she her desire shall be to thy husband. What this simply means is, is that this woman from this point on would want to be the head of the house. Adam or Eve was not created to be the head of Adam. Eve was taken from Adam. I know it's making some of you ladies mad, but you just got to have to get mad at God. Eve was taken from God and Adam was to be the head of Eve. He was the one that was to lead the home. And here God is saying from this point on, because of your sin, your desire will be to rule over him, but he shall rule over thee. How does he do that? He does that through force, all right? And that is basically what God is saying is your desire, you will want to be the head. You will want to be the lead, but he will overpower you and he will be the head, all right? The Bible tells us that in this we see this conflict of man and woman. But here's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. So we see the pain of uh, the curse and then we see the pain of the cure but we see the conflict in the curse and we see the conflict in the cure. We also see the suffering in uh, this uh, 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 conf- or the suffering in their sin here. We see this in verse number, uh, uh, let's see I think it's verse number 16 and 17, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the sorrow. In verse number 17, it says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten from the tree uh, of which uh, I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat. He said, The ground is, uh, uh, for, or the curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And in the cure, verse Isaiah 53, verse 3, He is despised and rejected uh, of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him and he was despised and we esteemed him not so we see the pain in the curse and we see the pain in the cure we see the conflict in the curse we see the conflict in the cure we see the sorrow in the curse we see the sorrow in the cure we see the thorns 
Oh, I need somebody to help me. We see the thorns in the curse. The Bible says in verse number 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And John 19, 2 tells us that there was thorns in the cure, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him, or put on him, a purple robe. We see the sweat. The Bible tells us in verse number 19, in the curse, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. And in Luke chapter number 22, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And so we see the, uh, 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 the sweat in the cure. And then we see the death in the curse. The Bible tells us in verse number 19 at the end of it, at the end of the verse it says, for uh, 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 till thou return unto the ground for out of it wast thou taken for dust uh, thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. But in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 9 we see the death in the cure. But we see Jesus, Hebrews 2, 9 but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And so the curse, is everybody with me right here? God did place a curse on mankind, but God gave us himself, himself through Jesus Christ to live that curse and to die that curse for you and I so that we could be restored to fellowship with him. For everything the curse gave man, God gave man his son to, res to reverse it, to restore fellowship. But not only do we see the curse, we also see the blood. We see the blood. We see the blood in that Adam and Eve made themselves coats of skin. They tried to cover it up themselves. <laughs> or not coats of skin, but fig leaves. But God, the Bible tells us, gave them coats of skin. See, verse number 21, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. In other words, what they tried to hide in and what they tried to clothe themselves in wasn't good enough. And so God made them coats of skin. A precedent set. All the way back in Genesis, blood had to be shed so that man's sin could be covered. God told man in Leviticus chapter number 17 and verse number 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it unto thee for an atonement for sin. It was the blood of those animals that atoned for the sin of Adam and Eve. Isaiah 61, verse number 10. I want you to listen to what God has given you for clothing. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. 
The Bible tells us that the covering of man is not good enough. But I thank God 2,000 years ago, there was a lamb that died on a cross for you and I. And the skin of that lamb is a robe of righteousness for those that get under the blood. The curse has a cure. We see the curse, we see the blood, but we see the tree. (laughs) We see the tree. In the midst of the garden was a tree of life. The Bible says also there next to it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One they could partake of freely. One if they partake of it, death. The Bible says that they partook of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't an apple. Is everybody all right? But they partook of the fruit of that tree and all mankind now is under the penalty and the curse of their disobedience but it was through a tree in the middle of two thieves on Mount Calvary that God brings us once again back full circle God, I need somebody to help me right here. They partook of one tree and put mankind into sin. But God says if you'll partake of the fruit of this tree, you shall live forever. The Bible tells in Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, and wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it, to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it one tree plunged us in one tree gets us out one tree one fruit from one tree brings a curse but the fruit from that tree Brings a cure. cure. Everything. Every, every punishment. Every curse on mankind in the garden. Jesus Christ fulfilled for you and I. And this morning, he still is pursuing Sinners, where are you? What have you done? Oh, he doesn't want to turn you away this morning. He doesn't want to push you away this morning. He's come here today to restore you to fellowship. He's come here today to redeem you from the curse of sin. He's come here today (laughs) to make you declare you righteous 
Bow your heads with me, if you will. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. There's never been a time in your life where you've trusted in Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection. I want you to know something today is a day of salvation. God wants to restore fellowship with you. But there has to be a confrontation between you and God. You have to come to the realization of your need. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You believe that this morning? We've all sinned. We've all sinned. This preacher has sinned. Every good person you know has sinned. Every good person you'll ever meet has sinned. Doesn't mean they're not good. It just means that in God's eyes, they ain't right. For all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. God even said it like this. There is none righteous or right with God. No, not one. The Bible tells us there's none that seeketh to do good. So we understand we're sinners. Do you understand that this morning? This is where you are. When God said to Adam, where art thou? This is what he was, he was confronting this. Where art thou? What have you done? Do you realize this morning you're a sinner? Do you realize this morning that the curse that was placed on mankind was fulfilled, exonerated, pardoned by the cross? One tree got us in, one tree gets us out. The Bible tells us for the wages of sin is death. That's the first tree. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the second tree. That's the second tree. See that verse, it shows us the curse, but it also shows us the cure. The wages of sin is death. That's the curse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the cure. That's, that's the second. That's the first and second tree. The Bible tells us that God loves us. It says that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. But it also tells us that God commendeth his love towards us. He proved his love towards us. And that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. So, God confronts us. Do you know you're a sinner? Do you know a price was paid to redeem you? To give you eternal life? Well, if you know that, then you must know this. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to be saved this morning? You want to get rid of the curse this morning? 
You want to partake of the fruit of the second tree this morning? All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That's through prayer. How do we confess with our mouths? It's through prayer. So this morning, the best way you know how, I wonder if you'd pray. Say, preacher, I'm not sure how to do that. Maybe you can pray just like me. My prayer ain't going to save you. Remember, it's with the mouth confession is made in the salvation, but it's with the heart that man believeth. It's your heart. It ain't got nothing to do with your mouth. If your heart ain't in the right place, it don't matter what your mouth is saying. But if in your heart you believe Jesus Christ died on that cross for you, you understand that you're a sinner under the curse, and he's the cure that hung on that cross. I wonder this morning if you pray a simple prayer, maybe a little something like this that says, Lord, I know I am a sinner. Are you praying with me? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know there's no way that I can save myself. Lord, I know that left in my sins, I will die and go to hell. But Lord, I believe your son, Jesus, came, died on a cross for me, nailed my sins to that cross so that I could go free. This morning, the best way I know how, God, I ask you to save me. I'm placing my faith, my trust in the work of the cross for my salvation. And Lord, the best way I know how, I give my life to you because you've given your life for me. In Jesus' name. Are you praying it? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Head still bowed with me. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I wonder if you'd lift your hand straight up to the air. Say, preacher, ain't nobody looking around. It's just me, preacher. I prayed that prayer this morning. I asked God to save me. Is there anybody in the building that say, preacher, I prayed that prayer this morning. I asked God to save me. Is there anybody? Thank you. Is there anybody? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for how good you've been to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us in a special way, Lord, during the 11 o'clock hour. But God, even more so, God, we thank you for what you've done, Lord, here in the 9 o'clock. Lord, I pray that you give us a sweet time of fellowship, not only with one another, but with you today. Thank you for the choir. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the church service. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to continue to bless us, love us, Lord, like we know you'll do. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen.